Paranormal Perception is conjured by the Audio Wizards at 22 Creations Multimedia, LLC, and sponsored by Paralink.com, Alien Soda Company, and CoffinCo.com. Keep listening to find out more about each of them. Welcome to Paranormal Perception with Henry San Miguel. This is the home of OC Paracon and not the same old paranormal. What does not the same old paranormal sound like? UAPs, cryptids, folklore and urban legends, glitches in the matrix, prophecies, your ghost stories, and even paranormal films. That's what not the same old paranormal sounds like. This is the world that you know. This is Paranormal Perception with Henry San Miguel and featuring Crystal Orona. A different perception begins now. Hello, everybody. We are back, back from vacation. There's been a few changes to the show. As you can see, the intro is a little bit different, but we're still not the same old paranormal. Today, I want to talk to you about God. Now, not not in whatever just came to your mind. I guarantee you that. I'll do that right after I tell you about Alien Soda Company. You can find pop culture and paranormal themed shirts, wine shirts even, coffee mugs, gaming mouse pads, wall art, posters, and a whole lot more. Visit AlienSodaCompany.shop and use coupon code PERCEPTION at checkout and you'll get 10% off your order. AlienSodaCompany.shop and use coupon code PERCEPTION. Alien Soda Company for all things out of this world. This is Paranormal Perception Perception with Henry San Miguel. Miguel. So before I take the break, if you guys remember, I spoke to Jim Willis about his search for spirituality. He, He talked about a search for something that most of us don't even think about. A lot of you found it very, very interesting now, maybe that, that interview spoke to me on a deeper level than, than I thought, because when I found today's guest, who we were about to hear in a second, it also made me rethink what I thought I knew about God. Now, let me make it clear before we get started. I'm not questioning, nor am I suddenly an atheist or uh, uh, it changes my belief. It's just another, oh, you guessed it, you know the name of the show. It's another perception on what or who God is. Matthew Alper wrote the book called The God Part of the Brain, A Scientific Interpretation of Human Spirituality and God. And yeah, I have a link on the show description for you guys to get it and read read the book. So in the book, Matthew says that our brains have a a God part which generates our spiritual beliefs, not necessarily because God or gods or spiritual beings, the afterlife, basically all the things we talk about here in Panel Perception uh, not because those are real. It's just our brains are hardwired, if you will, to believe in that. Again, before we get started, let me say this isn't to change your faith, your beliefs or anything. But since you're listening to Paranormal Perception, you're listening to this show, then you got to have an open mind already when it comes to supernatural and the paranormal. So keep that mind open as you listen to my conversation with Matthew. Matthew Alper joins me now. Matthew, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank, thanks for coming on. So before we get into the, the book and, and everything, let's, let's go back to the beginning, your beginning. When did you start to to wonder and actively start to question whether whether there is a God? 
Um, well, I would say that my quest began from a pretty early age, probably somewhere in the realm of four or five, when I first sort of conceived of, of my mortality. Um, I was lying in bed one night petting my cat, and I think after having flushed a few too many goldfish down the toilet, you know, in the last couple of years, it suddenly dawned on me like, oh no, that's going to happen to my cat. And then all of a sudden, like the floodgates opened and it was like, wait, then that's going to happen to me and mom and dad. And I had like a panic attack and I jumped up out of the bed and I went running down to the kitchen with the cat in my hands. And I said, mom, she's like, what? I said, frisky. She's like, what about her? I said, she's going to die. She's like, why? What's wrong? And she's like, what? She looks fine. And the cat ran off. I'm like, not now, but someday. And then I, and then, you know, anyway, so I think once, once, once I had that sort of first moment of existential terror, it kind of put me on a quest. I began questioning like, you know, and started hearing as I got older, people talking about gods and heaven and an afterlife and sort of was like, hmm, is it possible to get to the bottom of those things to figure out if they're real or not. And, you know, throughout my teenage years, I was reading a lot of science and philosophy. I was studying world religion. I started experimenting with psychedelic drugs, you know, reading books like Carlos Castaneda, people talking about how you could transcend through chemistry. I was, I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. I want to see, is there a way to figure out once and for all, if indeed I am a spiritual being or a purely physical being, meaning am I mortal or immortal? Is there some spiritual component, a soul that will persist after physical death, or is it just ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and for the rest of eternity, I will cease to exist in any form whatsoever? So that became, you know, the basis for my search. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't until years later, again, having immersed myself in all of the sciences, you know, I was looking out into the stars. Is the answer out in the cosmos? Is it buried in quantum physics? Is it in our biology? You know, is there some science? Because I felt like science was really the only model, the only paradigm that offered valid and reliable answers to things. Um, and eventually i had my sort of eureka moment and um and i started writing the god part of the brain now be before before the episode with the cat and you realize that everything and everyone is gonna die do, do you remember whether you had a belief in god or, or or did you see how did you see god do you remember how you um before that well, I, yeah i think that um you know, I was I was raised in New York City to a non-religious Jewish family. Um, nobody really cared about God or religion. We never went to synagogue. We were just very secular. We just didn't. No one cared. Um, nevertheless, when I was a child, I do remember lying in bed and sort of looking up at the ceiling and having conversations with God as a child, you know, maybe if I was upset about something, sort of asking, you know, why or, you know, for assistance with things. Again, when I was a child and 
I believe that that's normal behavior. And again, as I as we get into discussing my book, you know, I think it's an inherent instinct for humans to have a sense that there is some deity or supernatural force that we can talk to and lean on, which is the sort of the point of this mechanism that we possess. Do you do you think if if your family was religious, they did believe in God, they you know went to a temple, went to church, or you know like most normal people do, you know, quote unquote normal? Uh, do you think you still would have gone this route? You know, that's the the, the, the kind of no way to speculate on what woulda coulda shoulda been in a different reality. So I I really I can't honestly say you know I. I think I was always an inquisitive child. Yeah. I would guess that even through that, I would have been skeptical and been asking questions and would have been an outlier in my thinking. But, you know, again, who knows? Yeah. Well, when when you started questioning publicly, whether in school, or among friends, family, whatever it was, because we were, we were, before we started recording, we were talking, you were telling me stories about how. You've been on other shows and they actually hung up on you angrily, which I was laughing at like I am now because I think I just think that's funny. So uh, how did people react? Not your family, other people react when you started saying like, you know, I don't I don't know about this God thing. Maybe it's just inherent in our brains. How did people well, react? Well, when you started I, wasn't, talking about I wasn't saying it was inherent in our brains until I started writing the God part of the brain, which I was older at that point. I mean, as a child, I would say by the time I was 13, I considered myself an atheist. I felt that I did not, I was not buying into that there was some God out there. But that said, again, I still wasn't certain whether or not there existed some version of a transcendental reality, something that was beyond the physical universe. So, you know, whether it was a God or some spiritual power or the supernatural or the paranormal, you know, and I investigated all of these things, um, trying to see if there was any validity in any of them. And as I wasn't turning up anything that offered me really reliable answers, you know, I found myself becoming more and more skeptical. That said, it's still, you know, sort of stuck in my craw that I had no, um, no real sort of science to support my disbelief. So I just kept researching more and more science. And like I said, until I came up with what I felt was a solution, a cognitive solution, which, you know, is the basis of my book, The God Part of the Brain, which yeah. if you'd like, I'm happy to sort of lay out for your for your audience. Yeah, yeah. well, I was, I was going to say, uh, everybody listening to us, if you're thinking it's only for us here in the U.S., it's actually not because you do cover this in, in the book. You're talking about all cultures, not just God with a capital G. It could also be gods, plural, or whatever people see as a deity. So Correct. I use the word, and that's why in, my, in, the, in the title of my book, I put the word God in quotes sort of to summarize this notion. But no, it's not, it, uh, you know, this applies to, Every belief system, all of the all of the various pantheons of gods that have existed from from the beginning of human history. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and something that we talked about uh, on panel perception a lot, especially with every all the uh, reports we've been getting lately, is not not the question whether there is or not a God, but mostly it starts with God is our creator. Uh, some Native Americans call him the creator. We've been talking here on parallel perception about maybe not God or a God as our creator, but what if we came from life outside of this planet? Does, does your theory, does what you came up with, does that in any way touch on that? Yes. Yeah. I, co- I cover basically all versions of alternate views of reality beyond the physical universe. Mm-hmm. So, um, Anyway, I think, would you like me to sort of lay out the basics, you know, the foundation yeah. of my theory so, you know, you and your audience can have a sense and then we can go from there? Should yeah, I yeah, yeah. Do go that for it. Now? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So I'm going to lay out from the beginning. So essentially, according to standard Darwinian evolutionary genetic science, if there's a physical trait that's universal to a species, it means it's genetically inherited. So for instance... It's not an accident that all humans have a nose in the middle of their face or that cats have whiskers or that monarch butterflies have the exact same pattern, intricate pattern on their wings. It's a clear sign that it's passed on through the through the, the genes, through our DNA. So, you know, I don't think anybody would argue that. There's a science called sociobiology that says the same principle holds true for universal behaviors. So it's not an accident that all dogs bark and cats meow and beavers build dams. There, it's Those behaviors are wired into the animal. If you took a kitten away from its mother at birth and raised it by humans, it's still going to grow up to meow. It's still going to clean itself in a very particular way. It's going to have the same habits and instincts as if it was raised by, you know, its mother and you know, and, and amongst its siblings. So these are inherited traits. These are behaviors passed through the DNA. Now, since all behaviors generated from the brain, that me- that would suggest that, for instance, in all cats' brains, there must be a very specific region made up of a specific series of neural connections that's responsible for generating a meow, for giving a cat its ability to to do that behavior, to meow, what we could call the meow part of its brain. In the case of humans, for instance, every human culture has had a language, communicates through a language, um, which would suggest that somewhere in human brains, there must be parts of our brain that dictate our linguistic abilities, our, our linguistic intelligence. And with the help of neuroscience, we now know what those parts are. There's the Wernicke's area, the Broca's area, the angular gyrus, parts of the brain specific to linguistic comprehension. If you damage one of those parts, get banged in the head, or a tumor impedes on one of those parts, it will you will have direct interference with some aspect with your capacity to either communicate or comprehend language, what's called the linguistic aphasia. So I applied that principle to the fact that every human culture from the dawn of our species has believed in some form of a spiritual reality and created a religion around those beliefs, suggesting 
that it's genetically, we're genetically predisposed to believe in some version of a transcendental reality that we're hardwired this way. And I write that basically this was a coping mechanism, something that evolved in our species to help us deal with our unique awareness of death, to help us, to help us survive exist, the existential anxiety that comes with knowing that we and everyone we love are destined to die. So we have this inherited sense. We're compelled by the way our brains process information to believe that even though we know our physical bodies will die, that this other component, a spirit or soul, which is a word that exists in every culture, will persevere beyond physical death. So it's not just God or gods, but I'm basically suggesting all of our beliefs in anything transcendental, beliefs in deities, beliefs in the supernatural, the paranormal, you know, every culture, for instance, believes in good luck and bad luck. We have these beliefs in superstition. All of these things are covered by this part of our, these parts of our brain that compel us because it's, it makes us feel better about our existences to believe that there's something more than just the physical. Because we know what the physical leads to. It leads to decay and death with no return. And the terror of that awareness was so overwhelming that it forced this natural selection of parts of our brain that now we can identify in laboratories that compel us to believe in all of these various things. So that is the, that is the basic premise of the God part of the brain. So I'm suggesting, and this is the part that makes me unpopular, that none of these things are real, that there are no God or gods, there is no afterlife, there is no soul, there is no good luck, bad luck, all beliefs in superstition, the supernatural, the paranormal, and in gods and deities are basically fabrications of the human mind that basically are there to make us feel better about our existences and the fact that one day we won't. I don't know if you answer this in the book, and uh, I forgot to tell you, full disclosure for everybody listening, I haven't read it yet. I ordered it, so it's on the way, so I'm going to absolutely read it. Now I really need to after hearing that. But one of the questions that uh, I'm sure the listeners thought of, and I just thought of right now as you were saying that, is what you described could be by the, let's say, a layperson, somebody who hasn't even studied studied scientifically, you could say, you know, like a cat meowing, babies when they're born, what's their first in- instinct to get food, to cry, you know, what, whatever it is. Those are just in uh, things that we know, things, motor, motor functions, really, right. uh, without getting into all of that. Where did the idea of deities, where does, where does that come from? Because we've never been on this planet. We don't have any thoughts. So where do we get, where does that idea form? Where does it come from? Sure. Um, you know, and I kind of go into this and in sort of like what, in, in, in what way would the mind, would evolution have forged our minds to have these perceptions? And I think it's an extension of the paternal instinct. You know, when we're a child, we're helpless. We rely on our parents, particularly our fathers, which are the, you know, meant to be sort of the stronger protective force. And I think that we've projected that paternal instinct 
onto, you know, the greater universe that there must be some protective spirit, some protective father beyond our biological one that protects us in the spiritual realm. Because the physical realm, we're just here for, you know, between however many years. I mean, the human lifespan used to be 30. Now it's closer to 80. But still, we're talking about a spit in the bucket compared to eternity. So the terror of knowing that for all eternity, we won't exist, that, you know, it won't even be blackness. It'll be nothing. We can't even conceive of pure nothingness and that we're going to be stuck in pure nothingness for all eternity is such a scary thought that it's like our minds reach out for an eternal father, which is why I think things like deities probably evolve. It's probably an extension of the paternal instinct projected onto the greater, onto the cosmos. So almost like our cosmic father that will protect our souls beyond physical death. Okay. Yeah. See, and again, I, I, I can't wait for the book to get here. I got to read it. Uh, I, I got the gist of it when I, when I first saw the, uh, the interview that I, that, that I saw. Uh, mm-hmm. Now hearing it from you, now I'm really interested. And I really want to hear, and I'm sure a lot of listeners do. So I, ha- I do for all of you listening. I do have it linked up on the show description for you guys to get it and read it. Now let let me ask you, Matthew, the question that makes sure. me unpopular with all the guests usually that come on, um, and that uh, when it's you know I, I'm an I'm a paranormal investigator. I investigate this. I research. I, uh, my question is always, and what's the point? So with with you, same thing. What's the point of explaining the God part of the brain? Well, the search for knowledge to know, you know, for, for me, I mean, you know, I, you know, I was on a quest just for myself. I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to come up with an idea that I'm going to share with the world. I just wanted to know for myself, like, all right, am I just here for another, you know, 50 odd years or so? And then... I'm dust for all eternity, never to have another thought or perception, or am I going to be around forever in some form? Will what I know as Matthew be contained in some spiritual element, some soul that will live beyond? So I just wanted to have a perspective on like the nature of my own existence. You know, how long am I here for? Because if I'm here for all eternity and that can be proven, then, all right, I don't have to fear about death. I don't even have to, I don't have to worry about much at all because there's a whole eternity to come. Um, or on the flip side, this is all I will ever have or know, in which case, you know, that might play a role in how I'm going to live my life, the goals I'm going to seek, how I'm, you know, how I'm going to choose to interact with the world and myself and people. And so, so for me, it was just really a, a way to have a sense of why am I here? What am I doing here? And how shall I, how can I live the best life possible? And until I had an answer to that ultimate question, I didn't feel like I would be equipped to answer those, those questions. So, so for me, that was really the goal. Honestly, in my search, I was hoping that I would find reality in the paranormal, that there would be deities and gods and souls. You know, I remember being a child with friends 
and me and my friends, you know, we would play ESP games. You know, I'm thinking of a number, guess the number mm-hmm. or sitting, looking at a pencil on a desk, trying to move it with my mind, you know, like, you know, squinting my eyes and focusing and trying to push that pencil so hard, knowing that if I can move that pencil a thousandth of an inch, a nanometer, then there's something going on that's greater than the physical universe. And I can rest assured now that I'm part of that. So I wanted there to be more. I was hopeful and found myself, you know, like, all right, well, I'd rather just face the facts, whatever they might be, than convince myself of something that I don't believe in. And, uh, you know, so really that was the goal, just to have a sense of, you know, ultimate knowledge, which, which which comes with wisdom, to live my life with wisdom as opposed to dedicating myself to believing in, in things that might turn out not to be real. Yeah. Yeah. See, that, that's how I, I saw it when I first heard about you, when I first learned about you. I saw it as that. A lot of people, again, going back to what you were telling me before we started recording, show hosts, they get they get angry. They say, I don't want to, I don't want to talk. This, this conversation's over. That's the part I don't understand. I was, I was laughing at that because of that. Now, you just heard Matthew explain to all of you why, what's the point of this? You didn't hear him once say, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not because of this. You're not trying to change people's view of God or their religion, their spirituality, correct? Well, I don't know if that's necessarily 100% accurate either. So ultimately, you know, sort of as I sum up, like, well, where does this get us? You know, if this... And now there's a whole science behind this, you know, of investigating the parts of the brain that are responsible for our religious and spiritual perceptions. What's happening in the brain when we meditate or pray or even feel that we're seeing a ghost? There's stuff happening in the brain. So it's all can be registered as, you know, a physiological effect on our perception. So ultimately... You know, what I'm, what I also then go into is the sort of the sociopolitics of belief. And essentially throughout human history, um, you know, humans have been going at war and killing one another to prove that their beliefs are the true beliefs. So essentially, you know, there's a problem in this, in the mechanics of our beliefs in that it compels us you know, we're all raised in different societies. We all speak different languages. That's one thing. You know, me speaking English is not a threat to someone speaking French. However, my believing in a certain God, which is different from someone else's God, is a threat to their belief system because obviously the two gods can't be real. You know, Zeus and Odin cannot both be real. So, if basically you've got on the one side of a border people saying, well, I believe in, in Odin and Zeus is a fake, a false God, and you're going to burn in, in our hell because you're praying to a false idol. So essentially throughout human history, we've been killing one another to prove that our version of God or whatever our belief system might be is the, is the real and valid one because every other belief system is an insult to ours. It's saying yours isn't real, ours is. So essentially, I believe that there are drawbacks to this evolutionary adaptation. You know, maybe it worked when we were 
a, a small nomadic species living on our own, people roaming in certain little tribes, but now we're a global animal heaped on top of one another. And every time different religions tend to press on each other's borders, it leads to crusades and war and and mayhem and and antipathy and hatred for our neighbors. And it's basically counterproductive and ultimately very destructive. So I think that if we rethink our beliefs, if we rethink sort of the belief systems we were raised to and say, hey, maybe I'm just believing what my parents told me. But if I was switched at birth and raised by the family across the street that believes in a different religion, I'd probably be believing in that instead. And to realize the relative nature of our beliefs, you know, as opposed to being so um, convinced that it's real to the point that we're willing to kill our neighbor in the name of our God. Now, most people aren't, go, aren't ready to go and kill their neighbor, but they might be willing to hate their neighbor or look at them with suspicion for believing in a different belief system and having different customs and rituals, etc. So I believe there is a destructive nature to this to this mechanism. And if we don't get a handle on that, we're going to end up killing ourselves. I mean, right now, you know, the human race, I mean, we're, we're not doing all that well. You know, we're like in an accelerated, I feel like we're in an accelerated rate towards our own dis- extinction. And we're going to bring it on ourselves. And it could come from so many directions at this point. But part of it is we're not cooperating. We're not working together. We're working against each other. There's so much hatred. There's so much antipathy being spread throughout the world for, because of our belief systems. And, uh, and I think it's a destructive instinct that if we get a handle on, we could, we'll have a better chance at survival and co- and cooperating and cohabitating as, as an animal on this planet. I see what you just said. I see it as exactly what the conversation started as we, as a civiliza- civilization, we're going through death pains. Yeah, a lot of old systems are dying and w- all religions going to war against each other. It's happening in history. Like you said, people hating hating each other because you're you have a different religion or a different belief. The yeah, maybe, but in in 2023, I'm seeing that starting to go away a little bit. However, the one thing that shouldn't go away that religion does teach people is morals. We don't have that. A lot of that is disappearing. That's the one good thing that that we do need. The one reason why we see, do need religion, no matter what, is morals. It see, does teach even, you that. Even there, I would I would disagree with you because. I don't think any of the world's religion have have ever offered a sound moral, you know, beliefs, you know, set of beliefs. Most religions, pretty much all of them, first of all, they're chauvinistic. They all they all preach that men are superior to women. In a lot of religions, the woman has to walk behind the man. You know, women in all religions, women are suppressed. Their sexuality is suppressed. You know, if they're doing the same thing men are doing, they're getting stoned to death or burnt as witches. Um, So you've got that going on. Um, I don't know. I mean, basically, the, 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 the main thrust of religious morality is if you don't do what the priest or the cleric says, you're going to burn in hell. So if you don't follow the rules we give you, you go to hell, you get punished. 
And if you do what we tell you, you'll get rewarded. You go to heaven. Now, teaching morality, true morality is about helping your neighbor, you know, helping others, not do things because if you don't, you'll burn in hell. That's like, that's the way we teach a child. If you steal that cookie, you'll get locked in your room. You'll be punished. Not it's wrong. Why it's wrong because that cookie's for everyone. So personally, I believe that the world's religions are teaching very skewed morality. A lot of it's based in hypocrisy. Most of the, most of the, the, you know, the, the, the clerisy and the priesthood of most religions are doing the exact opposite of what they're preaching. Um, you know, a lot of religions for years, you had like, you know, the indulgences where you could buy your way to heaven. If you bought icons, you know, that's what Martin Luther, when he created, you know, Protestantism, he wrote about, you know, against the church's selling of icons as a way to get to heaven. These are not sound morals. These are not morals that uplift us. Now, amongst the secular community, people who don't believe in religion or gods, you know, we they refer to themselves as secular humanists. Basically, humanism is the belief system and the foundation for their morality. And I believe in humanism, what's taught is basically we're all here, we're all equal, and we all have to equally cohabitate and cooperate one another for the greater good. So we have to give up our own selfish needs and desires because we're working together as a whole. So I believe that it's the social sciences that are going to teach us our wisdoms if we want to continue to survive and that religions like to tell themselves that they're the font of all morality. But I think it's baloney. There's, I think there's, it's, it's a, it's a load that they're selling us because I don't see any great morality coming out of any of the world's religions. So again, I, I, I would tend to, I would, I would, I would tend to disagree with you there. That's fine. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. again, the, the point of that, what I said is mm-hmm. it's still human. We're all human. You know, the, you know, the, you know, the old saying, nobody's perfect religions. They, they're supposed to be your, your guidelines and all that. But once you add the human element in there, which is everybody, it turns into this. Now you can have the other side also, like you said, the, the secular humanist. They're also t- t- trying to tell somebody how to live, whether it, it even the, just because they don't say follow this God or this religion or the, you know, this, you're still trying to tell somebody how to live. At the end of the day, we all have to, we do need to get along. That's not going to happen. It's going to take a long time. I don't think, honestly, it's going to happen in my lifetime. I do see a lot of positive changes in the younger generation. They, they, they're starting to go back to the way things were. And a lot of times we do need to go back to the way things are. The way people react to uh, act today, you can have, like you're saying, Matthew, you, you can have, forget the religion, forget all that stuff. It's all made up, whatever, fine. But look at the chaos that we have. In general, religion has been thrown out into the garbage. Nobody cares anymore. And look at the world we have. It ain't working. Well, first of all, I mean, I don't know if we, we can quite say religion's been thrown in the garbage. I think that Oh, it has the four, four, four fifths of this planet, 80% of this planet are still fervent adherents to their world's religions, whether it's Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, most of the world practices, goes to their churches, 
you know, are still immersed in their belief system. And in terms of like, we're getting better, we're evolving towards a better place. I mean, right now we're seeing the devolution of democracy around the world, the rise of fascism around the world, the rise of fascist leaders, etc. So I don't know if we're necessarily going in a better place. I think that that's going to take a lot of work and education. And I think it's going to be secular education, educating us as humans, not as Jews or Christians or Muslims or Hindus, for instance, um, but as as human beings. And until we throw off this destructive cloak of religious belief as because then again, if the minute it becomes a religious thing, it only applies to your people. So it's like not no the other dirty people who don't believe in what we believe in. And you can't to me, you can't preach a morality unless it applies as a universal to all people. So, you know, again, here, and that's fine, you know, we might have differences, because I, at this point, I, you know, I offer a secular approach to existence and think that that is the healthiest approach that we can have. I think, like I said, I think most religious ideologies are teaching very skewed uh, versions of morality. And we're not really evolving through religion. Religion still continues to incite war all around the world. There is religious struggle between every different group. You know, I mean, you know, even amongst themselves, Jews don't get along. Christians don't get along. You know, you have Catholics versus Protestants. You've got all of the different splintering sects of every religion all at war with one another, insulting one another, having disdain and hatred for one another. None of it's productive. None of us is, is moving us forward, particularly. Yeah. And again, get the book. You got to read it. You want to know more. It's all on the show description. You guys can get it there and read it. Uh, Matthew, you have any other books coming up for you that you can talk about? Uh, well, um, there's one, something's gone awry on my, on the Amazon site. I have another book called Icarus of Brooklyn, a spiritual quest gone wrong, where I talk about my childhood. I think it can be ordered on Kindle at this point. Um, and I think I actually, just to make it available to people, cause you know, I'm not necessarily in it even for the money. I think I made the, the Kindle free for mm. those who are curious. Okay. Um, and if you go to the God part website, there's a link that sends you to the Icarus of Brooklyn website. Because again, people like yourself often ask me, well, where, you know, where did this originate from? What spurred you on this quest? So I wrote sort of a memoir about my childhood and teenage years and the things that sort of put me on this path. Um, so that book's a memoir. Okay. Um, and again, people can download it free on Kindle. Um, so, so yeah, and otherwise, actually, at the moment, I'm, I'm working on fiction. I've, you know, said all I have to say about God and gods and the supernatural and deciding I just want to tell stories now. Okay. Yeah, and I have the website, everything linked up on the uh, show description for all of you listening to us. You can go there. So, Matthew, Matthew Alper, thanks a lot for, for, for coming on and spending a few minutes with me. Love, love the the discussion. Love the book, the idea. I can't wait to read it. The, the I think it's coming today for me. I uh, can't wait to get into it. I'll let you know. I'll send. I'll shoot you an email. Let you know what I think of it once I'm done. Uh, but sure. thanks a lot for coming on, and you are welcome right. back on the show anytime.
Sure. Maybe, you know, maybe after you read the book, you'll probably have other questions. Feel feel free to reach out. Happy to come back on. I was thinking that I was going to say we should have a part two after I read the book. Thanks again, Matthew. Okay, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me and the listeners, Matthew. Let's restart our weekly trips to Crystal World now, and then I'll come back and wrap up with a couple of announcements and another spotlight on an OC Paracon speaker. But before I do that, I was thinking that conversation I just had with Matthew, they're probably going to generate a, a million hate responses on social media, except if it was on a platform specifically for paranormal enthusiasts who, like I said at the beginning of the interview, you already have an open mind when it comes to spirituality. Well, you're going to find that on Paralink.com. You can create a free account today, start meeting new paranormal teams, authors, researchers, and a lot more. You can share your, your evidence. You get, That includes EVPs, videos, pictures. I've seen a lot of them on there. But you can promote your group or your event. You'll get no hate because everybody is there for the same reason. An interest in all things paranormal. Visit Paralink.com today and create your free account. Pay attention. Crystal Arona is about to share words of wisdom, inspiration, warning, exactly what you need to hear. Let's visit Crystal's world exclusively on Paranormal Perception. Hi everyone, hope you guys are having a great summer so far. Summer is such a fun time to work on spiritual growth and wellness, starting off with cleansing your energy and space. I've actually had a lot of people booking energy cleansings with me lately, so of course if you're interested in that process, just visit me on Instagram. But I also have some very simple and affordable ideas that you can try out at home to work on your own cleansings. And a lot of this stuff you either have already at your house or you can find at 99 store or Dollar Tree. So that's really good news. Again, please visit my Instagram highlights and reels for the full details of these activities. Get your papers and pens ready, guys. Here we go. These are just a few ideas that anyone can do to cleanse their space or their energy field. One, salt bowl. Obviously, you'll need salt and a bowl and just a couple other household ingredients to put this together for yourself. Think Himalayan salt lamps, but do-it-yourself style. Two, working with sound frequencies. Find a cleansing negativity sound frequency or any sound frequency that works for you and fits your needs on YouTube or Spotify and play it at a reasonably high volume on speakers throughout your house. Three, salt water or any water really but sea salt is the ultimate natural cleanser and healer, so jump in and enjoy. If you can't get yourself to a beach, go take a dip in the lake, a pool, or even the shower at home and just imagine the water washing away anything from you that does not serve your highest good. Those are just a few ideas, guys. I'll share more later. Of course, again, visit my IG for more, and until next time, have a magical day. Follow Crystal Arona on Instagram. Crystal's underscore world. Crystal will be back next week for another journey through Crystal's world, exclusively on Paranormal Perception. If you're tired of the endless scrolling and constant checking of your phone, then you're ready to lay your phone to rest. 
Introducing CoughPhoneCo.com, a coffin-shaped phone charger that lets you refresh your brain while your phone's battery recharges. The coffin-inspired charger has a plush, velvet bed inside and is available in a single plot, double plot, and the family plot, which fits up to four phones. You can choose a black walnut, white ash, and Baltic birch finish in either veneered or ebony. Visit CoughPhoneCo.com to pick your plot today. C-O-F-F-O-N-E.com C-O-F-F-O-N-E.com You don't have to bury your phone six feet under, but you can use this coffin-inspired phone charger to find more time for the things you really want to do. CoughPhoneCo.com Lay your phone to rest. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. At 20 minutes before 8 central time, Professor Farrell of the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars. The spectroscope indicates the gas to be hydrogen and moving toward the Earth with enormous velocity. Professor Pearson of the observatory at Princeton confirms Farrell's observation and describes the phenomenon as, quote, like a jet of blue flame shot from a gun, unquote. We now return you to the music of Ramon Raquello, playing for you in the Meridian Room of the Park Plaza Hotel, situated in downtown New York. You will hear about UAPs, alien abductions, and other visitors not from Earth on this show. That's what not the same old paranormal means. Paranormal Perception continues. Like I said, a couple of announcements... An OC Paracon speaker spotlight, and then we'll call it a show. I wish I didn't have to start with this one, actually, because this announcement, I mean, it's, it's bad news. As many of you know, and a lot of you are looking forward to it, actually, on, on uh, OC Paracon preview night, we were going to screen John Yost's Alien Abduction Answers documentary, followed by a Q&A with John. I spoke to John la- when was it? last weekend. And he let me know that he's battling for his life right now. He's battling pancreatic cancer. And it wasn't a positive diagnosis from his doctor either. He, I'm not going to go into the details. I'll tell you in a second where you, where you can actually read in his own words all the details. But he did find an answer. An answer to, it's in a clinic in Arizona that it has a successful track record when it comes to winning against late stage cancer. So a GoFundMe has been started for John. Now I'm asking all of you listening to me right now to please donate whenever you can. No, no, you can. I really do. I know you really can. I see your posts talking about how expensive everything is. But then I see you at a concert or a baseball game or, or Disneyland a few days later. And we know those things are expensive. So I know you can. A lot of you also not even talking about money, but you just go, you, you make so many posts and put, put up memes on your social media and you go on and on about what a terrible world and nobody cares about anybody and nobody ever does anything to help anybody. Guess what you can do right now? Yeah. You can help somebody. Donate what you can. Even if you don't know John Yost, donate what you can and you will be that person that makes a difference. Yeah, it's for John and his family specifically. But one thing I know is absolutely true is karmic energy. I've seen it over and over, even in my own life. Imagine the karmic energy you're building for you 
by simply helping a fellow human being in need. I mean, like I said, you may not know John. Trust me when I say John is the kind of person you do want to help, even if you've never met him. He's one of the most genuine, nicest people I have ever met. So the uh, the GoFundMe for for him is on it's on our website. It's on the show description. It's on, uh, I think I put it on all our social media accounts. If not, they will be there by the end of the, uh, by the time you're listening to this, they'll be there. So please go there and donate. Donate what you can. Ask friends to donate if they can. Uh, Like I said, I've only known John for about a year, if you remember when he first came on. But in that time, he's become a really close friend and a trusted advisor when it comes to this crazy industry that we're both in so thank you all in advance for any help you can give john yost uh, again everything is on the uh on the show description on our website uh on all of our social media on the facebook i know i have it there so when you can please donate what you can this week the oc paracon guest speaker spotlight shines on Hi everyone, this is Nicole Strickland here, afterlife and paranormal researcher, best-selling author, podcaster, and speaker from San Diego, California. I am here to invite you to Anaheim's only paranormal convention, OC Paracon that is, and that will take place October 6th through 8th, Friday night on the 6th, it starts at 5 p.m., Lots of speakers, lots of vendors, lots of activities. So if you're into the paranormal, whatever that may be, you need to attend this event. Again, you can get tickets at ocparacon.com. That is ocparacon.com. So I will be giving a presentation called The Afterlife Chronicles, Exploring the Connection Between Life, Death, and Beyond, which is an extension of my latest book of the same name that I published in April uh, of this year. Uh, under my imprint, Kaylee Max Books. So this presentation is all about uh, exploring the afterlife. So we will explore the questions of what happens to us when we die. Does the human soul survive death? How can we communicate with loved ones in the spirit world? Are those residing beyond the veil in some faraway land? Or are they close by and within our reach? These are age-old questions that have permeated our collective consciousness for many, many years. So topics such as recognizing the signs and reasons of why the spirit world connects with us, the afterlife according to various cultures, we'll explore the influence of the spiritualist movement on modern day paranormal research, the role of intuition and mind, body and spirit in connecting with the afterlife, and other topics such as near-death experiences, theories on the uh, human soul survival of consciousness, as well as traditional and divination methods to communicate with the afterlife and beyond, spirit guides, and how moving through grief and loss can help you further connect with the afterlife. So if you're one of those that is interested about the enigmatic wonders of the afterlife, you'll be definitely enchanted by this presentation and the book of the same name, where we explore the beyond, where physical death is not an end, but a beginning. So again, I am Nicole Strickland. I will be at the OC Paracon from October 6th through the 8th, and it will be starting Friday, October 6th at 5 p.m. So again, lots of great people, speakers of various different topics related to the paranormal, uh, vendors, 
authors, you name it. So please come on by, stop by and see us. You'll have a great time. And again, you can get your tickets at ocparacon.com. Hope to see you there. The one show not obsessed with artificial intelligence. Because our listeners have real and authentic intelligence. Now back to Paranormal Perception. No artificial ingredients added. Maybe a little salt. <laughs> no. So, to wrap up, one, one more announcement. And it's, uh, maybe for some of you, it'll be sad. Not, not really for me. I mean, it's just a little bit of house cleaning. You the la- Before I took the break over the 4th uh, of July uh, well, week, I was going to say weekend, but it wasn't a weekend. 4th of July was in the middle of the week, so kind of threw things off this year. But before I took that break, a lot of you noticed that we hadn't done too many uh, book club features. And over the break, I thought about it, and, you know, I'm going to kind of like our sponsor, CoffinCode.com, I'm going to put the book club in a coffin. Um, killing it, the feature. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to feature books or authors. I am. But, you know, I figured uh, the reason why is because a lot of the uh, the guests that I have on the uh, on the book club, but also just regular guests on, on uh, Paranormal Perception, a lot, of the par- a lot of the paranormal people, they've written a lot of books, not just one. So when they come on, unless it's a brand new book that's about to come out, but when they come out to talk, uh, come on to talk about their book, it's difficult not to not to have them start talk about all of their books. So I figured, since most paranormal people have written several books, let's not do the book club. Let's not limit their interview to just one, and have them come on and talk about every and any book that they've written, just in general as a as a guest. So because of that, no more book club moving forward. But like I said, I will still feature books and authors. So no book club, but I will feature books and authors. So there's a little bit of house cleaning the last announcement for this episode. Now next week, well, you know, that also hasn't changed. I'm still not going to tell you what we're going to do, but you know what it isn't going to be. Until that next time, you can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, all under Paranormal Perception. The show's YouTube channel is at Paranormal Perception 2020. You'll find event coverage, interviews, and all OC Paracon footage there. Use Henry at ParanormalPerception.show to email about being a guest on the show, having Henry on your show, or any questions or comments about Paranormal Perception. Tell your friends about Paranormal Perception. You're ready, obviously, but are they ready? For not the same old paranormal. Paranormal Perception with Henry San Miguel. Paranormal Perception was produced by 22 Creations Multimedia LLC.